1: sit back and relax while we culture your brain with weird and wonderful science. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, cultured meat and the science of ventriloquism. First up, here's the latest news for people who want to be kind to animals and eat them too, followed by a panel discussion. Without the murder? The Singapore Food Agency has approved an application from San Francisco based company Eat Just to allow the sale of its lab grown cultured chicken product, which they call no kill chicken. Cultured meat is grown from muscle cells taken from animals and then grown as a cell culture in the lab or a bioreactor to make a simple form of meat suitable for sausages or burgers but without any of the texture of meat grown in an animal. There's been a lot of hype around the world as entrepreneurs try to meet the desire for ethical meat and the need to feed the world with protein that doesn't take large amounts of land, water and fertiliser to grow. It takes 550 litres of water to grow one kilogram of meat. So that is the number that in vitro meat has to beat. The problem I have with the cultured meat industry, its evangelists and the journalists who write a lot of the stories, is that they all deliberately avoid asking two basic questions that should start any story about lab cultured meat. What do they feed the cells? And is cultured meat as nutritious as animal-grown meat? Cells growing inside an animal's body like our own bodies, are fed with oxygen, water, nutrients and hormones in blood. It's what the cells evolved to eat. When you take the cells out of an animal's body and grow them in a bioreactor vat or a dish, you need to feed them. You can either feed them with blood, as they've grown to expect, or you can develop a substitute. The problem is, and I can't state this strongly enough, there is no substitute. Any evangelist or journalist or entrepreneur who tells you otherwise is not telling the truth. Nobody has published in any scientific journal a paper detailing a substitute for blood, despite many claims for plant-based alternatives made by the industry. Like, for example, Eat Just is reported to have told dozens of journalists. Even worse, since we want to get the cells to multiply, we need blood with the right growth hormones. So every single company that makes in vitro meat is using what they politely call bovine growth serum, which is really blood from aborted cow fetuses. Not only does it involve the death of the cow and the calf but it's expensive. Every cultured meat burger, sausage or nugget is grown in cells fed with aborted cow fetus blood. So none of it is no-kill meat or slaughter-free meat or kind meat or clean meat. I think lying to people about killing animals for the blood to make your in vitro meat product makes your cultured meat unethical. If anyone were to invent a substitute for blood, the medical applications would be way more profitable than the food. Fetal calf blood is not the perfect source of vitamins and minerals for cultured meat to become nutritious food for humans. But adding chemicals to the cultured cell medium takes away from the claim to be clean and chemical-free. Adding vitamins and minerals also adds to the cost of cultured meat, both financially and environmentally. Nutritionally, the research says that cultured meat currently doesn't match meat from dead animals. Back to the eat-just chicken bites, grown in aborted calf blood. Journalist Jenny Kleeman tried the cultured chicken bites in 2018, and she reported it had the consistency of the most low-grade processed meat imaginable. This was not a piece of chicken, a cut of meat, but a mass of chicken cells, bulked out and pressed into a nugget shape. Would you trust food from an American company that decided to seek regulatory approval in an island city-state in Asia because the rules in the US were too strict? The Singapore Food Agency decision to grant a license to sell the cultured chicken in restaurants comes after a two-year approval process, during which Eatjust completed more than 20 production rounds in a 1,200-litre bioreactor to prove that it could manufacture its cultured chicken to consistent quality and safety standards. An independent panel assessed the meat's nutritional value, deeming it high in protein and low in saturated fat. The company is currently working with an expensive local restaurant to develop a menu and accompaniments for the in-vitro chicken. Other ways to get around the regulations are to simply offer the lab-grown food for free. In Israel, local company Super Meat opened what it's calling the world's first cultured meat restaurant in Tel Aviv. Its bioreactor chicken is offered to diners for free in exchange for feedback. Aleph Farms in Israel are growing support cells, fat cells, blood vessel cells and muscle cells from cows on a scaffold to give it a 3D structure. The resulting fake steak is only 5mm thick. If they breaded it, you'd have a Vienna schnitzel. And of course, the cell cultures are fed with blood from a calf fetus. In June 2020, KFC Russia announced in a press release, which is no longer available on their website, that they had entered into a partnership with 3D bioprinting solutions to use a 3D bioprinter loaded with a paste of chicken cells and vegetable cells to print chicken nuggets for Moscow KFC restaurants. This was part of its Restaurants of the Future initiative. Bioprinters are used in medicine to create tissue and simple organs. The cells were not grown in vitro, so it's just processed food. The fact that the press release has been removed strongly suggests that the printed nuggets won't get sold this year. In August 2020, KFC Canada announced that their plant-based sandwich that tastes like chicken would be permanently available in Canadian KFC restaurants from August onwards, after the success of a pilot program with partner Greenleaf Foods in 2019, where they sold over a month's worth of sandwiches in just six hours their plant-based chicken substitute is made from tempeh, a traditional Indonesian food made from fermented soybeans. In Australia, George Papau, along with Tim Noakesmith, have founded a company called Vow. I interviewed George Papau about genetically engineered algae a few years ago. The Vow founder's thinking goes like this. The few animals we eat were chosen because they were easy to domesticate, Not because the meat was the tastiest or the most nutritious. So they want to culture cells harvested from animals we don't normally eat and then test them for flavour and nutrition. After all, if giant panda steaks are the best tasting meat, but pandas aren't killed in making the meat, then what's the problem? Other than growing them in aborted cow fetus blood. Vow was the first company in the world to make a food prototype from an undomesticated animal, kangaroos. Of course, in Australia, you can buy kangaroo meat at the supermarket. But if you could try zebra meat, panda meat, or some other exotic animal without someone having hunted down that animal, would it be ethical? Or would it create greater pressure for the sale of these exotic animals in the form of bush meat? Bush meat is already illegally exported from African nations throughout Europe. The ultimate exotic animal to clone meat from are humans. You are what you eat with the Ouroboros human steak kit. Ouroboros is the world snake eating its own tail in Norse mythology. With the Ouroboros human steak kit, people would take samples of their own cells from inside their cheeks and then culture the cells on pre-grown scaffolds made from mushroom mycelium to create mini-steaks by feeding the cells with expired, donated human blood. For around three months, the cells would be stored in a warm environment, such as a low-temperature oven, and fed with human blood until the bite-sized steak is fully grown. No animals are hurt or killed to make the meat. It's fully human. Is it cannibalism if the meat is grown from your own body cells? Commissioned for the exhibition, Designs for Different Futures at the Philadelphia Museum of Art, the project is a critical commentary on the lab-grown meat industry and critiques the industry's claims to sustainability. It was designed by Andrew Pelling, Ork and and Grace Knight. The bite-sized pieces of meat are currently on display as prototypes at the Beasley Designs of the Year exhibition at London's Design Museum. The mini-steaks were made using human cell cultures purchased from the American Tissue Culture Collection. They were fed with human serum derived from expired blood donations that otherwise would have been discarded or incinerated. Bite-sized steaks are preserved in resin and laid out on a plate complete with a placemat and silverware as a tongue-in-cheek nod to American diner culture. After all, expired human blood is a waste material in the medical system and it's cheaper and more sustainable than aborted calf blood. It's been suggested that we use bioreactor meat for pet food. But you'd still have to add nutrients to the calf blood the cells are grown in for enough amino acids, minerals and vitamins to be there to keep your pets in good health. Anything less would just be cruel. I'll leave you. With a limerick, I composed on the subject. The problem with in vitro meat is the fact that the meat has to eat. Cultured cells must be fed, so blood must be shed. Bovine growth serum, calf fetus, deceit. You're listening to Ian Wolfe on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. From 2011, here's Mark West, Aaron Cook and I discussing whether we'd eat in vitro meat
3: that it would really be perfect for chicken nuggets, wouldn't it?
1: Mark I mean, West, would it be perfect <laughs> for chicken nuggets, or would you really rather have chicken in your nuggets? I'd
3: probably rather have chicken, but chicken nuggets, that's pretty much all the scrapings from behind the deep fryer anyway, isn't it? All congealed together. Uh, I, I, I'm really interested. Can they make protein pills out of this? Are, are, are protein pills on the market? Is Yes. Yes,
1: yes. this is the thing. We are living in the 21st century. Protein pills are on the market, but they're made from algae. So right. they're vegetarian. And again, you don't have to kill any animals. There is an ethical alternative that nobody seems to have come up with. So you've either got a problem with killing animals or with growing stuff in a lab because it's unnatural, right? What if I could offer you a natural form of meat that didn't involve killing any animals? There are lizards in Australia, all sorts of lizards, where when they're threatened, they drop their tails and grow a new one. The tails they drop are meat. It's meat that can be harvested without hurting the animal. Therefore, since no animals get killed, you can have ethical meat pies made out of lizard tails. Well, the,
4: never heard that before. Y- we're going to open up a can of worms here, but uh, <laughs> or lizard tails. Or lizard tails. <laughs> Dig in. If I was hungry in the middle of a desert and I hadn't eaten, then then I would probably kill a cow. Actually, I would I would probably kill a human. Um, cannibalism. When it. You've when been it needs warned, to be. folks. Yeah, no, I'm not. but the the fact is, we don't need to you can go down to the local supermarket uh, most of the people listening to this and that c- you can buy your brown rice you can you can buy your beans and there's all the protein you're ever going to need every every type of amino acid you could want so it's it's I just don't understand how how they could spend so much money on on something like this mm.
1: people want steaks and they don't want to feel guilty about having killed animals to get them if they could produce an artificial steak it almost wouldn't matter whether it was produced from vegetable origins or cultured origins as long as it tasted like a steak and didn't involve killing animals
4: so, so i guess what you're saying is that this this is really for people that already eat meat cuz i imagine that people that don't are, are going to still be put off by the idea but that it, it might catch those people out that that still want to eat meat but but do don't feel great about the about the ways that Meat is produced today. Yeah,
3: there's a there's a vegetarian restaurant just down the road in Newtown actually, that where you can buy crispy skin chicken, and it's made out of I don't know what it's made out of, but there is a layer of what looks like fat that's crispy, and then a layer below that, and then you get the chicken, and it it it. It tastes like crispy skin chicken. It tastes like bad crispy skin chicken. Uh, so as, as a meat eater, I would go next door to the Thai place and get crispy skin chicken.
1: I was at that restaurant just two weeks ago, and I had their chicken nuggets, which, although they weren't like chicken nuggets, they were good. They weren't that bad, yeah. They weren't that bad. Uh, their fake steak was nothing like steak. It was just a big bit of um, fungus of some sort. Yep. But the other stuff was kind of interesting, but it seemed more like a place for reformed meat eaters than full-on vegetarians. Yeah. Almost like cheating. Vegetarians,
3: I, I don't think, want to eat meat. I, I don't, don't want to have something that I'm tastes not like really meat. I'm
4: interested in having meat replacements. No. <laughs> no. What <laughs> about
1: a restaurant you where, know, you know, if you go to this, right, you've got fake meat made out of vegetables when you go along to these things. What about the opposite? If you had a restaurant where it's fake vegetables made out of meat, maybe that'd be better.
3: That'd be awesome. Uh, that, I would go there. That'd be
1: a huge success. Let's do that.
3: <laughs> it would be. Right. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Mark and
5: Aaron. ...time when man began to control the environment, he has been plagued by his limited ability to speculate. His failure to accurately predict the effect in the contraposed action This is the result of his not being able to consider and relate all the factors in a problem. Evidence of this inability can be seen in the persistence of a certain kind of myth involving three wishes. In a frantic effort to reap immediate reward, the first wish is often not too wise. The second usually tends to overcorrect. Our hero can consider himself lucky if, after the last wish, he ends up just where he started. But there were men whose wishes were not only prudent, but had a habit of coming true. These men and women were artists and had certain characteristics in common. They were seldom bored with anything. They were constantly building up stores of information in active memory banks. When confronted with a specific need, they would call on these memory banks for information which they would run through Sort out and relate to the problem at hand. These men could speculate and could predict. They were artists, artists in many fields architecture, mechanics, medicine, science, politics. And the art of relating factors. It is often not a conscious art, and the degree to which it is operative can tend to make one normal, bright, super bright, or genius.
1: Ventriloquism is the illusion of throwing your voice, where a performer convinces you that a voice is coming from a puppet or even the ceiling. In 2006, Kashina Allen explained how our brain creates the illusion of ventriloquism and what that teaches us about how we perceive the world.
2: Out of the mouths of dummies, ventriloquism. Funny, skillful and generally entertaining, ventriloquism is also a lot more. It's a great demonstration of the flexibility of the human brain. Originally touted as a form of witchcraft or demonic possession, Ventriloquism has been distrusted for centuries, and rightly so. It's a case of our eyes deceiving our ears. When your eyes look at an object, or more correctly, pick up the light reflecting from that object, the signal is mapped spatially onto the retina. This means that if two objects are close to each other, the neurons picking up the location of those objects will also be close to each other. Not so with the ears. Sound waves combine at each ear and mechanically vibrate the basilar membrane, a tapering organ curled inside the spiral cochlea of the inner ear. High frequencies high-pitched sounds, vibrate the narrow end, and low frequencies the wide end of this membrane. Sounds are thus mapped by frequency, not spatial location. This means that to estimate where a sound comes from, the brain conducts a complex calculation based on the signals received at each ear. This can make localising sounds harder and less accurate than localising visual objects. So we trust our eyes over our ears. A good ventriloquist moves their dummy perfectly in sync with their words. At the same time, the ventriloquist does not move their lips. Your ears claim the sound is coming from the ventriloquist, but your eyes tell you it's coming from the dummy's mouth. The eyes win. This ventriloquist effect has been used to pull streams of words apart. Charles Spence, a researcher from the University of Oxford, used a loudspeaker to play a series of words next to a video of someone's lips mouthing some of those words. Listeners heard the lip-synced words coming from the television and the non-lip-synced words coming from the loudspeaker, so long as the loudspeaker and the television were not far apart. But will we trust our eyes over our ears in every situation? Two scientists, David DeLay and David Burr, tested this further. They degraded an image in their case turning a large clear dot into a fuzzy blob, thus reducing the accuracy of the visual cues, and found that as the exact location of the blob became harder to pinpoint, observers started to trust their ears over their eyes. When the blob was very fuzzy, they would go so far as to assume its location was at the same place as an accompanying sound. Alley and Burr called this the reverse ventriloquist effect. How persistent is a ventriloquist illusion? When one light flash is played a short distance to the left of a sound, the ventriloquist effect means that you believe them both to have come from the same location, left of the actual sound source. After a long series of such flashes and tones, a listener asked to locate a single sound source will assume it's to the left of its actual location. Called the post-ventriloquist effect, it appears that you can fool your auditory system into recalibrating its sound localization plans. Thankfully the effect doesn't last long, and your ability to correctly localise sound returns shortly. This is an example of neuroplasticity. Your brain can reprogram itself, if needed. But why would we evolve with our brain so easily fooled? Sound moves at a fraction of the speed of light. Thus your ears and eyes never really agree on the distance an object is in front of you. Think of the delay between seeing a lightning strike and hearing the thunder. To identify things coming towards you, such as tigers or buses, it helps if your brain can recognize the sound and visual picture come from the same source. If an object is moving, the current visual location will be more accurate than the auditory, as the light will reach you before the sound. It is in your own interest to be a little flexible on location to allow you to tell that the sound and picture come from the same thing. It helps you recognize an object and assess any possible threat. Realigning your auditory system with your visual system may be a developmental issue as well. Perhaps babies originally learned to accurately localise sounds by aligning them to the location of visual objects. Understanding the ventriloquist effect doesn't make it any less entertaining. In fact, it may help someone appreciate the skills involved. But in terms of science, it also provides useful information on how the visual and auditory systems interact. That was Kashina Allen discussing how easy it is to fool your ears with ventriloquism.
1: Thank you, Kashina. You can see videos of my interviews from 2020 on the Diffusion YouTube channel. Subscribe and like at youtube.com slash C slash Diffusion Radio. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Are you a scientist, artist, biohacker or maker who'd like to be interviewed about your work? Would your company like to sponsor Diffusion? Send your contributions, opinions, helpful suggestions and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. Please like the Diffusion Science Radio page on Facebook and rate the show on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolfe. The news music was Rhinos Theme by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia to 28 stations on the community radio network, including Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM in New South Wales, 8 C in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2MVR in Nambucca Valley, 3 MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia, City Park Radio 7LTN in Launceston, Tasmania, and 2XXFM in Canberra. Diffusion is narrowcast, on Indigo FM 88 in Northeast Victoria. Diffusion is syndicated globally on the National Science Foundation's science360.gov internet radio station, and also on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com, and check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show. If you enjoyed the show, you can explore more than a thousand previous episodes archived on DiffusionRadio.com, where the shows are labelled by keywords so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear. Join my patrons at patreon.com slash diffusionradio. Make a donation through paypal.me slash Wolf. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science-wondering, next week on Diffusion Science Radio.
0: Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the Earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick. Everything from a molecule to a living organism.